History, Colorado chose Dr. Claire Oberon Garcia as the newest Colorado State Historian. Today, she joins us to break down her personal journey to becoming State Historian. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, will you tell me a little bit about yourself? Okay, my name is Claire Oberon Garcia. I'm a professor in the English department at Colorado College, but I consider myself an interdisciplinary scholar. So my teaching and research um, and my most of my classes are cross-listed with race, ethnicity, and migration studies, with feminist and gender studies, with um, Francophone studies, and um, I think I'm leaving something out, but don't remember it. Oh, history, of course. Um, most of the work that I do in my research and writing is, is based on archival work. Um, and so my, and I rarely teach anything except for contemporary African-American writers and Afro-European writers. I rarely teach contemporary literature, but focus mostly on 19th century, probably from mid 19th century up until um, World War II or just after World War II. So I consider myself an interdisciplinary scholar, though my home is in the English department at Colorado College. August 1st was your first day as the new Colorado State Historian. Talk to me about your journey to getting this role. Well, yes, I'm not exactly sure how it happened. <laughs> That's sort of a, a question for, um, for History Colorado. But my involvement with History Colorado, aside from going to many of their museums, their wonderful museums that they have across the state. So I love the Pueblo Museum and, you know, we've been to, and of course the main center in Denver, but we've been to several of their smaller museums like at, at Fort Garland. So I've been a patron of um, History Colorado for many, many years, along with my husband and a visitor to various exhibits and events. But my first official work with them was a couple of years ago when they were going to um, display, give pub full public access to the Ku Klux Klan ledgers of um, Denver. And as you might know, Denver was the big Ku Klux Klan city. The Ku Klux Klan was very active um, within the state in the first decades of the um of the 20th century and so the highlight was really um during a time when membership was was very plentiful and they had these ledgers of people all of the members you know their addresses and even their professions and that was you know of course a sort of traumatized traumatizing information to be confronted with, you know, to realize that your pharmacist was a KKK member, for example, I think, um, or that your great, in some cases, that your great grandfather was a Ku Klux Klan, fully paid up KKK member. So they, History Colorado had invited um, uh, several scholars to advise them on how, what to think about when presenting material like this and um, how, how to, you know, communicate, how to contextualize, how to give access. So that was my first sort of work engagement with History Colorado. 
And then next, um, I had been invited to make a contribution, again, along with a lot of other scholars and, and thoughtful people um, looking back on 2020, like saying, what would historians say about the year 2020? Um, which, as I say, is another traumatic <laughs> incident, at least very traumatic for most people in terms of, um, I always called it the twin epidemics of one, the yet another time when we realized after George Floyd, sort of the depth and persistence of racism um, in the US, as well as the, the medical pandemic of COVID. And so I wrote um, an essay for them. And because I like to write, it was the only sort of, I took it as a creative writing assignment. And so had a professor who had a class, an intro to what used to be called race, <laughs> giving a, a lecture, but with all these other details about things like students had chips planted in them um, so they didn't have to charge their iPhones and things like that. So um, that led to, that was published in History Colorado, and that led to a collaboration with Chautauqua, Colorado, that I'm sure you're familiar with up in Boulder. And so um, an amazing colleague of mine, Karen Roybal, and I gave a presentation at Chautauqua, and a presentation and conversation based on our, um, our um, writing our articles that both dealt with race and the future of race. And so then a few months after that, I was invited to join the State Historians Council, I think just because they knew me and my work a little bit better. And because History Colorado was trying to remodel the state historian role, which usually it was one person who apparently at least one or two of them would stay in the role for decades. And they were, of course, experts on Western and I think white Western history or Colorado history. And so History Colorado is really committed to making our public history really reflect all of the communities, all of the perspectives the good, the bad, and the ugly, not just the fairy tale about big industrialists who discovered gold or silver. And, or I think traditionally also that kind of history has been centered around personalities like, oh, wasn't Baby Doe a crazy character? And um, at least that's a, like my impression of the fourth grade Colorado history that all our kids did. Um, but they wanted to diversify the perspectives and not just in terms of the scholarship. So my scholarship, of course, focuses on, on race and women, but also diversify the disciplinary perspective. So I'm actually the first non-historian, or at least you know, who's not officially a historian to serve in the role, but that's part of the change of orientation and the change of thinking about what history is that, um, that History Colorado is engaged in now. So that's my long-winded of my journey of my relationship with History Colorado. And what is the role of a state historian? What do you do? Yeah, so a lot of it I will find out. Um, but basically, the job is, I think, primarily being an ambassador for History Colorado 
in a variety of, of communities across the state. Um, also aiding and advising and supporting the History Colorado mission. And in my case, I think, especially as it pertains to diversifying um, the perspectives that are reflected in, in the exhibitions. They also want, I think the, the approach we have is how can they best use my expertise, my talents, and my interest to support that mission. And so right now, um, what I've been thinking of is supporting, there's a relatively new program called Blacksplanation. Um, I'd also like History Colorado, like it's not Denver centric, even though of course the center is here <laughs> since it's our state capital, but to sort of beef up the outreach to different communities across the state. I really love, since I'm a professor, conversations. And so one of the things I'm envisioning is helping organize conversations, again, that have a diversity of perspectives among the, the panelists to spark um, broader community conversations about issues such as um, can multicultural democracies survive, which is a question I've been worried about <laughs> a lot lately. And I had um, put together a collaboration just a couple months ago with History Colorado and again, Chautauqua, where we brought in someone from India, you know, which has a big and contentious multi-ethnic and multicultural democracy, um, a Latin American specialist and a European specialist to talk about the challenges and opportunities of being a multicultural, multiracial, um, genuine democracy or a republic. So I'd like to continue, especially as we're preparing for the state of Colorado's 150th birthday to organize conversations around that. And then, yeah, so basically I see myself as just being a resource for History Colorado and the communities they're already engaged in and expanding the conversations and perspectives that are represented through History Colorado's activities. You touched on this a little bit, but you said you have an English or more of an interdisciplinary background. How is your perspective different from those who have been in this role previously? Yeah, well, for one thing, um, I specialize in Black people <laughs> and other people of color. And there was uh, an external review of History Colorado several years ago, which is part of the reason why they're reorienting. In that review, they brought in a team that included the director of the National Museum of African American History. And one of the strong suggestions was that they beef up the Black archives. And as I mentioned before, I'm really interested in archival work. I, I do archival work. Most of my sources, because of the people and the questions and the texts that I focus on, are not part of the canon. They're often people who have been forgotten or underestimated or nobody bothered to think that their writings were worth preserving. So they either threw them away or if they wrote letters to more famous people, their letters are in the archives of the more famous people. And so I think because my focus is on voices that have historically 
and even to this day been either silenced or undervalued. And of course, my focus on the African diaspora distinguishes me from um, the people who have come, not the people who come most recently before, because Nikki Gonzalez, who I just, I'm such a fan of hers, was actually the first state historian under this model. And she focuses on Chicana history and Latina history more and Latinx history more broadly. So I'm the third person in this new model. So I think I'm more different from like the old single long-term model than the previous two um, state historians that reflect these new values. So, but in terms of professional, what I bring, of course, is the emphasis on the African diaspora across the world, as well as in, in Colorado. And um, my sensitivity and interest in the significance of voices that have been silenced or undervalued. That's a transition into my next question. Historical censorship is a large topic of conversation, especially um, in education. Do you have any thoughts about this? Yes, of course, I have a lot of thoughts about that. And in fact, that's going to be the theme. Um, The state historian gives an address in May, and that's the theme Um, history and education is going to be the theme of that address. And of course, I think about it just about every day, especially as a scholar who uses critical race theory, who focuses on race, who sees college students who come into my classes and say, I've never heard these stories before. I've never heard of this person before or this, you know, ground changing revolutionary book. So already we were not doing, and we, I think, in the United States in general, um, doing a good job in K through 12 of introducing students to our real history, which, which I find, of course, extremely difficult as a Black woman, because there's a lot of violence, there's a lot of abuse and exclusion in our history, but there are also a lot of good, you know, adventurous thinking and So I think that introducing students very early to the complexity of history is fundamental to any functioning, not just democracy, but community. But of course, more recently, history, and this isn't the first time, like as someone with a historical perspective, when people start clutching their brains and saying, back in the day, we used to value history and blah, blah, say, no, history has always been used as a tool, um, as a political tool, as a political weapon, as a means of excluding and oppressing people. You look at you know, any dictatorship, (laughs) the first thing they do is go for the history books and the, at the earliest levels. So, you know, you, you look at various countries and empires at various points in their history. And so history has always been manipulated to serve the purposes of the powerful. So that's nothing new. Um, I just think it's particularly dangerous because what's happening in the United States right now is that it seems to be a very targeted political backlash to hard-won rights that 
people in various groups are still struggling for. So not only groups of communities of, of color, but um, the LGBTQ plus community, you know, just about any community who's been marginalized, silenced, or not allowed a seat at the table, it seems are being targeted by people who want to look at history as a fairy tale and to put it bluntly as a way of preserving what they see as the United States identity as a white supremacist, ethno-nationalist, Christian, patriarchal country. And so any narratives or perspectives that challenge that, of course, have political implications. And so I see this, for example, what Governor DeSantis is doing in Florida, trying to control the curriculum, not only of K through 12, but in the um, in higher education as specifically targeting particular groups. And so he's very blunt and, you know, saying things like that, there's nothing in the AP African-American history curriculum that's worth learning or that students need to know or targeting LGBTQ families and, and individuals, um, basically saying they have no place in our society and certainly no voice and presence. So I, I think that the backlash against history and an inclusive history is very much a backlash against people who are still struggling for being able to participate, to have their basic rights recognized and to have a voice in our democracy. And I think I love history for its complexity. So I think someone like Thomas Jefferson, yes, he was a slave holder. He enslaved Africans and there's strong evidence that he abused a very young um, African woman who was in his household. And, but also he had really fascinating ideas that we're grappling with. And so I think that we need to be at a point where we can talk about all of that and not just the fairy tale or the truth that we wish it would be. So, and I'll end with saying there's that adage that history is written by the victors. I'm sure that you've heard or um, the lions. So of course, history has always been politicized. It's always, there always have always been those who try to manipulate it to serve the purposes of those who are already in power or to, or to preserve the status quo that benefits some people and disadvantages others. But I feel very, very strongly that thoughtful people, humane people, people who are committed to communities and, and a notion of history that reflects everyone's voices who was there and honors the life experiences of those who went before us, that we need to push back against that kind of politicization of history. At the end of your time as the Colorado State Historian, what impact do you hope to leave behind? I hope to have started a lot of conversations that may be difficult, but that are ongoing and that are relevant. That was Colorado's state historian, Dr. Claire Obron Garcia. For KGNU, I'm Yvonne Olivas.